Good morning, everyone. Um, so it's good to see you all again. Um, if you don't know who that is, that means you didn't go to church last Sunday, and I'll see you in the confessional, and I'll tell you then. No, just kidding. Uh, if you were traveling last weekend or weren't here, this is um, Deacon Daryl Neppel, who is our new deacon. He's been assigned to Our Lady of Lords, and just a wonderful joy to have him here uh, with us. So you'll be hearing from him um, in the coming months and years. So as you probably could have guessed, I was kind of a special child um, in a lot of different ways. <clears throat> but when I was growing up, sports were just everything. I, and I don't know if most boys are this way or not, but I was certainly that way. Like, I was telling a family last night, I literally, when I was in high school, I realized that most athletes don't end up becoming professional athletes, and I had this crisis. I was like, that's all I'm good at. Like, I'll never be able to do anything else if I'm not a professional athlete, which is why I became a priest. Now, <laughs> but, um, but my favorite, one of my favorite movies growing up was, uh, was the Rocky series. You know, if you remember watching the Rocky series, they're just awesome. Right, and Rocky Balboa, and he's always fighting like, you know, there's the huge Russian or Apollo Creed or whoever it is, and Mr. T, that was a good one. But I just loved them; they got me so riled up, and I, I just love the Rocky movie. So, the best Christmas present my parents probably ever gave me. One year, I woke up, we went downstairs on Christmas Day, and there was a little just box, small box underneath the Christmas tree, and it was completely lightweight, and I was intrigued. So I opened it, and inside was just a little note, and, all, and it had a note that said, go look down in the basement. And so of course, I go and run down in the basement, and there was a punching bag hung up, and I was like, best day ever. And so for the rest of my childhood into my mid-20s, no, just kidding, the rest of my childhood, I couldn't get through a Rocky movie without running to the basement and I would, I would just jump up and I'd go and hit the punching bag. I was just so excited. I couldn't sit through a fight scene in Rocky without doing that. And it was just so life-giving. Why is that? Why was it so life-giving? The simple thing that I want to draw from that is that when, we have, when there's a great story, when there's something that just touches you, you it's not enough to watch. You want to be a part of it. And little kids get this the best, right? Kids love this. When they are full of imagination and wonder, when they see a movie they love and they know a story they love, it's not enough to hear the story. They want to be a part of it. Isn't that wonderful? We should all be more like that. Human beings are made to be part of a story. Right? Not just on the side. And so the main point today, if you remember nothing else from today, what we're going to talk about is that Christianity is meant to be like that. And, and the phrase I want to use is that in Christianity, there are no spectators. There are no spectators. Christianity is a lot like Rocky. Yes, I just said that. It's not enough to sit and watch. 
If you really get the story, if you really understand who Jesus is, brothers and sisters, what should naturally happen is your heart will be beating in your chest and you'll say, I can't sit still. I've got to to get on the field. I have to go follow Jesus. That's what we're called to be. So Jesus today gives us one of his favorite phrases. Preachers, we tend to um, look for kind of aphorisms, kind of short wisdom sayings, and we'll repeat them over and over again. And Jesus, one of his favorites, is one he gives us today. He repeats this uh, seven or eight times in his ministry. But today he says, whoever finds his life will lose it, but the one who loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus says that over and over again. Whoever seeks his own life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He repeats that in all kinds of different settings. It's one of those little hallmarks of Christianity. It's one of those phrases that you and I should know by heart. It should be on our lips. It's part of what it means to be a Christian. Now, one side note here. I can't get through a homily without Greek. You know that. Um, The word for life there, the one who loses his life, the Greek word there is suhe. And it can mean life, but it also means yourself or your soul. Suhe is where we get the word psyche. It's where we get psychology. Oftentimes it's translated soul. But in, in the New Testament, it also has a sense of yourself. So I want to spend a minute there. Jesus is telling us, right, Do you want to find life? Do you want to find joy? It's not enough to be a spectator. You want to find life? You've got to lose it. You'll never find happiness. You will never find yourself if you're a spectator. Sometimes in Christianity, you and I have a hard time with how difficult it is. I do too. Right? You've heard me say it. I'm like, I'm a natural complainer by temperament. That might be part of the fall. Maybe we all are. So at, at church, people are like, oh, isn't Father Brian? Like, you're always upbeat. You should hear me at home. I'm like, I hate my life. <laughs> Lord, why is it so hard? <laughs> why do you give me all these crosses? Can't it just be candy? It's hard. You know what's worse? You know what the saddest thing ever is? Is people who don't have meaning in their life. The saddest thing ever, the worst thing that could ever happen to a human being is they go through life and they never had something worth giving their life for. That's tragic. What happens then, we have all kinds of people like this in our culture anymore. If people go through life and they don't find a meaning, a purpose, something to give their life away for, they get weird right? They start collecting stamps, and if you do this, by the way, I'm not judging you. They, they start collecting weird things, right? They get really, really into Legos, or collecting stamps, or they become like, I don't know, like role players. They do the LARPing thing. I don't know. They get weird. They find weird things to find meaning in their life. Christianity's hard, but thank God that is not you. You have something worth giving your life for. 
You don't have to go searching for some hobby or knickknack that defines you. You have something worth giving your life for. Whoever seeks his own life will lose it, right? If you seek your own comfort, pleasure, power, vanity, and pride, your life will slip through your fingers as something vain and meaningless. But if you lose your life for him, as he did, as much as it hurts, it will hurt. I promise you that. It will hurt. And it's the best thing ever. John Paul II used to have a, he would quote Vatican II all the time. And, and Gaudium et Spes, your favorite Vatican II document and mine, Gaudium et Spes, right, total Catholic joke, you're like, what is he talking about? Gaudium et Spes, chapter 24, says that man finds himself only in a sincere gift of himself. Hear that again. Man finds himself only in a sincere gift of himself. The only way, brothers and sisters, you will ever find joy in this life is when you give your life away. That's it. Parents will tell you this. Right? We have lots of young families in our parish. And you'll see the mom and dad, and it's like they're deer in the headlights. And they're like, oh my gosh, help. All of my children are crazy. But you talk to parents, and their children have grown up a little bit. Right? And the more you go through life, and even when you have young kids, they wouldn't trade for anything. They lost their life for people they love. That's written on our hearts, right? God created us for that. And I want to speak to all of you. Some of you, this is a constant theme. Some of us think we can't be happy unless we're married. Yes, you can. Happiness does not come from marriage. Marriage is a very, very good thing, the best of all human things. You will be happy if you give your life away. And you have someone worth losing your life for. And if you do that, you'll find life. So how do you do it? That's the goal. Brothers and sisters, your life will be fulfilled, it will be meaningful if you end up giving your life to Christ. How do you do that? And here's our second part of our homily today. To understand that, you have to understand the word discipleship. That's a buzzword right now in the Catholic Church. So when I was in college, I was a student in focus, in my junior year of college, my mentor came to me and he said, Brian, I want to ask you to be my disciple. And I think I cussed and I said, what does that mean? And he said, I don't know. He literally said that. He was like, we actually focus, we don't know what discipleship is yet, but we know it's important and we're working on it. If you talk to people from Focus today, discipleship is everything. And they do know what it means. And I was like, what is discipleship? There's books being written today. One of the most popular books, books in the Catholic world is a book called Forming Intentional Disciples. In our gospel today, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. We're in Matthew 13, or I'm sorry, Matthew 11. And in Matthew 10, I'm sorry, we're in Matthew 10. In Matthew 10, Jesus 
is talking to the disciples. At the beginning of the chapter, it says he called to him his 12 disciples. At the end of the chapter, it says when Jesus had finished instructing his disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. And the whole chapter is about what it means to be a disciple. Now, here's the deal. The disciples are not the exact same thing as the apostles. The word apostle means one who is sent out. But Jesus actually had 70 disciples. And there's three groups in the New Testament that interact with Jesus on a broad level. There's the crowds, there's the disciples, and there's the apostles. And we're going to leave the apostles out of this today. But here's, when you go home today and you think, what was today's homily about? Here's the question I want you to go home and ask yourself. Are you a disciple or are you a spectator? Are you a disciple or are you a spectator? The Greek word for disciple is methetes. And everyone in the ancient world knew what a methetes was. It was an apprentice. If you want to become, like, I'll give you an example from my life. When I was a kid, right, sports are everything. It's all that matters. I didn't know anything about Christianity or the Bible, but I knew every single CU buff stat from 1980 onwards. And my dad, when I was like eight years old, maybe 10, my dad taught me how to throw a curveball, pitching. And it was before everybody else, and I was so cool. It was awesome. Still living from that. But I learned how to throw a curveball. You can't learn how to throw a curveball without someone showing you. And so my dad would take me into the backyard, and he'd show me how to hold a baseball for a curveball, and he'd show me the way that you would twist your hand as you threw it, and the spin you would put on it, and then I would do it. You only become great at certain things by being a disciple, a student, an apprentice. Jesus calls us to that. Are you a disciple or are you a spectator? Brothers and sisters, to be a real Christian doesn't mean that you know about Jesus or that you even just come to Mass. It means that you are learning from him how to live. It means you follow in his steps. The rabbis have this great phrase. The Jewish rabbis say, if you want to become a rabbi, you must be covered in the dust of your master's feet. You must be covered in the dust of your master's feet. In John 16, Jesus says, a disciple is not above his master. It is enough for a disciple to be like his master. So to be a disciple means, as a Christian, you're not a spectator. It means you're on the field. It means when Jesus says something, you're not just thinking, oh, that's neat. Way to go, Jesus. Or like when he's on his way picking up his cross, you're like, go. It's awesome. You got this. Jesus today challenges you and I to be active. He says this, he who does not take his cross, that's active. The one who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. 
brothers and sisters, Christianity is not for spectators. The crowds in the Gospels, they watch Jesus, but they don't follow him. They are not Christians. If you want to be a Christian, you have to become a disciple. You have to be someone who imitates Jesus' way of life. It means that you think like Jesus. It means that you talk like Jesus. It means you see the world the way he sees the world. You learn from a master and you imitate who he is. That's what it means to be a disciple. Now I want to leave you with this. Brothers and sisters, that has a cost. It's not easy, it's challenging. It's difficult. But it's so worth it. Again, you are men and women. You don't have to search for some kind of meaning to give your life for. It's right there. The world needs you, right? If you guys are not Christian disciples, if you're not the men and women out there full of wisdom and love and self-sacrifice, if you're not like Jesus, no one else will be. The world really needs you. And I want to read to you from St. Jose Maria Escriva. Jose Maria Escriva died in 1973, I believe. Uh, he was a Spanish saint, and he's one of the most inspiring saints I think you can ever encounter. One of his little books that's called The Way, I used to keep it in my back pocket and pull it out during the day. And it's so challenging. And he, talk, he just always is challenging you. He's like, when you say it's too hard, he's like, that's because you don't love God. I'm like, oh, it's true. It's true. Lord, I want to try, you know. And he just challenges you, but he's so wise and so full of love. And here's how he challenges you, and I hope this challenges you today. Be a disciple. Don't be a spectator. Go home today. Look at your life. Are you on the sidelines, or are you someone who is actively following Jesus and conforming your life to his? Here's what Jose Maria Escriva says. Jesus gave himself up for us in a holocaust of love. Holocaust is a burnt offering. It's a sacrifice in Judaism when you burn an animal and nothing is left. That's the point of a holocaust. There were other offerings in the temple. But in the other offerings, the people got to eat what was left over of the animal. In a holocaust, it means that the animal has given everything it has and there's nothing left. That's him. Everything he had. Jesus gave himself up for us in a holocaust of love. What about you? You who are a disciple of Christ. You a favored son or daughter of God. You who have been ransomed at the price of the cross. That's you. Not just me, not just Deacon Daryl, not just everybody else. You were ransomed on the cross. You too should be ready to deny yourself. So no matter what situation we may find ourselves in, 
neither you nor I can ever allow ourselves to behave in a way that is selfish, materialistic, comfort-loving, dissipated, or forgive me if I speak too candidly, just plain stupid. I love that he says that. He's like embarrassed to say stupid. I'm like, oh, I see some way worse things than that in my homilies. Are you giving your life away? He who seeks his life will lose it, but the one who loses his life for my sake will find it. If you don't lose your life, brothers and sisters, you don't have the mark of a Christian. And the weird thing about it is when you do that, when you do surrender your life, I promise you, you will find joy. Let us now stand.